about uh, two months ago, my older son and I were down in our family room, and we heard this beeping noise. And, uh, and it, it sounded like um, an alarm going off or something shorting out. And so we could hear it, but we couldn't find it. So we tracked it all upstairs down. We went in the garage, and we hear this beeping noise going off in the garage. And we look everywhere, and we can't find it. I see a little smoke detector in the ceiling. I get it. I take the battery out. I look around, and nothing stops. And so I put it back together and leave it alone. And eventually the beeping stopped, so we couldn't figure out where it came from, so we just forgot it. Well, New Year's night, we're in our family room watching a movie, and all of a sudden we hear this loud, high-pitched noise. It's not the same noise exactly. It's not beeping. It's just a solid stream of painful noise. So we go all over the house looking for it. We go, we go uh, down, around. We finally track it to the garage again. It's in the garage. We can't find it. We don't know where it's coming from. It's this loud, beeping noise. Finally, we isolate it to one point in the, in the ceiling of the garage, and we're staring at that point, and there's nothing there but plywood. There's not a wire. There's not an alarm. There's not a siren. There's nothing. But it's so piercingly loud, it's like, we're, like a headache is growing inside each of our little brains. It's suffocating us. And I get on the ladder, I'm looking up under stuff, I go and get one of those little light headlamps like a coal miner, and I'm all up in there looking around trying to find where it came from. I think it's the alarm in the house, so I go upstairs, I reprogram the alarm, nothing happens, I reprogram the alarm, nothing happens, reprogram the alarm. I go to the uh, the fuse box, and I'm I'm shutting stuff off because I can't find, this noise is, is, if you've ever had a noise, it's painful. It's like somebody's driving a nail in your brain. I'm shutting everything off, turning the power off of the house, and it doesn't stop. We're looking, an hour, one hour, we're looking for this beeping sound. This beep. Looking everywhere. I'm up on a stepladder in the garage, moving it across, flipping stuff on and off, checking boxes. I dismantle my garage door opener because I think it might be the little, I don't know anything about any of that stuff. So I just start taking stuff apart, which is a brilliant idea when you don't know what you're doing. There's a garage door opener, and I, and I think that box is the plug in the alarm system. I'll just disarm the entire alarm system in the house. I'll shut this thing down. I don't care if I have an alarm. What I don't want is that noise. So I, so I pull it out. Nothing happens. It's still going on. So, so literally, literally, we're, we're physically getting headaches. We say we can't stop till we find this noise. So finally, my youngest son says, wait a minute. I think it's under here. What? I said, it's not under there. There's a workbench and a little shelf under it and then a bunch of junk under there. He said, I think it's under here. I said, it's not under there. Nobody would put like a siren to an alarm up underneath the workbench. He said, I'm telling you, I think it's under here. And he starts moving stuff around and he looks and he smiles and he says, I think it's right here. There's no way. What do you see under there? And he reaches his hand up under the workbench and he pulls this out. This little jewel, this little gem, this little friend of mine was stuck up underneath the workbench and apparently I took it off the wall in our house in Mississippi and six and a half years later the battery ran out. 
if you want a really good smoke alarm <laughs> or a really good... So I was just hoping that you might be able to share in the joy with me. I don't know if it's got any battery left, but I was hoping you might... Oh, come on, little guy. You made so much noise. Oh, now it's dead. Oh! Wait. One hour. <laughs> Except it didn't do this. It went. <laughs> One hour. Anybody? Anybody's skin starting to crawl? <laughs> so. This, oh, no, no. Oh, wait. Okay. Got it. Done. I got to be honest with you. It's like saved as I am. There was a, there was a ball ping hammer on the workbench right next to it. I picked it up. And I listened, I went, no, I won't, I won't destroy it in front of my kids. So I didn't destroy it, but nevertheless, hear this little, and it still frustrates me. I was thinking about that little smoke alarm, and, and the problem it caused, and how frustrating it was, and how long we looked for it. And here's what it made me think about. Isn't it funny how sometimes the thing you're looking for is right in front of you, and you don't see it? Is, isn't it funny how sometimes what you need most is right there, but it's hard to find and all the clutter, and sometimes it's even calling out to you. And you can't seem to narrow it down and find it. I think that that is a great picture of the way that God calls us to prayer. Prayer is right there. It's the thing we need most. It's the thing we tend to overlook in all the clutter. In just a few days, we're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting as we, as we always do in January. So this morning, what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is I want to talk to you about prayer. I want to talk to you about how God calls us to pray and how God is specifically calling us this morning to pray. Now, if you're new to Kingwood this morning and you say, you know... I, I, Great. We're going to talk about prayer. What, what would I possibly get out of this? You know, maybe if you're new this morning, this is God's way of inviting you to come closer. That's what prayer is. Prayer is how we get close to God. Maybe you're, maybe you're far away from God and you said, I just want to start the new year right. I think I'm going to get up this morning. I haven't been to church in months. I think I'm going to get up this morning and go to church. Well, you know what? Maybe this is God's way of inviting you to come back to Him. Prayer is how we come close to God. Prayer is how we meet God. Prayer is how we find God. And prayer, I can tell you this, prayer will do more change in your life than all the New Year's resolutions and all the redos put together. Trust me, prayer will do much more. Nothing, nothing has done more to heal and to strengthen and to restore my inner life like prayer and Bible study. These are the absolute cornerstones of spiritual life. So this year, uh, you can see on the front of our devotional, you can pick one up on the way out, you can go on the website, kingwoodchurch.com, and find it under current, current series. Our, our theme is Renew. Uh, our, because last summer, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, after a long journey, I've shared some of it with you, after a long, long journey, many, many months of prayer and searching, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in June and said, I'm bringing renewal to Kingwood Church. I'm going to do a work 
of renewal at Kingwood Church. And so we're going to spend this time in January focusing on what does that mean? What is renewal? What does it mean to renew? Now, here's one thing that I found as I prayed through the holidays, the Holy Spirit really put on my heart. Times of renewal always come with times of great prayer. Times of renewal always come with times of great prayer. So if you look in uh, Acts chapter 1 in the Bible, you can read about the first church that ever existed on earth and how important prayer was to that church and how prayer actually started that church. Acts 1.14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So Acts is the book of the Bible that we learn more about the first church than any other book in the Bible. And of the 28 chapters in that book, most of them specifically mention prayer. Believers in prayer. Believers gathering together in prayer. And they were all in one place and they were in prayer. And so you can see how the first church started in prayer. Jump forward in history, you know, 1,700 years. And you have in Europe the first great awakening. The first great awakening that touched Europe and America in the early 1700s. And you know how it all started? It started because a few people gathered together and said, we're concerned about how weak the church is. The church is so weak. The church is anemic. The church is making no difference. The church is shrinking. The church is in decline. And we're going to gather together and just pray and ask God what to do. And from that prayer time erupted the first great awakening. And to show you how bad the time was, there was a French philosopher, Voltaire, who claimed that Christianity would be forgotten in 30 years. Not only was it not forgotten, it began to explode as the church prayed. There was a Scottish Presbyterian pastor who wrote a little booklet, and I'm not going to tell you the names of any of these booklets because there's long, proper, former English names that would astound you on why anybody would ever name anything that. But he wrote this little booklet and he was pleading with the people in Scotland to to unite in prayer for renewal. Jonathan Edwards in America read that booklet and wrote his own booklet. Now that might not sound like much to us, a little booklet, but it's the it's the equivalent of something going viral on Facebook. This was this was the call for prayer in Scotland and in America going viral throughout the nation and throughout the church world. He wrote his own book. At the same time, you see all over the world now, in, in Scotland, in America, and now in Germany, a guy named uh, Zinzendorf, had incredible names, Zinzendorf. He started an around-the-clock prayer meeting. Watch this. He was so burdened, he started around-the-clock prayer meeting, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that prayer meeting lasted for 100 years. They had continuous uninterrupted prayer for 100 years, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for 100 years. Unbelievable. You move forward a little more in time, you come to the second great awakening. The entire first great awakening started through prayer. The first church in Acts started in prayer. The second great awakening is where most of the missionary groups that we know of today in the world, that's when they started. That's where, that's the time period they sprang up in the world. By the way, did you know it's from the second great awakening that we have public education for children? That started in America through the second great awakening and the abolition of uh, slavery in England happened through the second great awakening. It was all done by a renewed church that started in prayer. 
1794, a pastor in New England asked his denomination to set aside the first Monday of every month as a day of prayer. That went viral. It swept the nation, and not only pastors, but entire denominations in America set aside the first Monday of every month to be a call for prayer. Now, about 65 years later, 1858, Jeremiah Lanfear advertised a noon hour prayer meeting, and only six people came. The second week, 14 people came. The third week, 23 people came. And then they started meeting not once a week, but they started meeting every day. And they had to add another meeting at the local Methodist church because they didn't have room where they were. And then when they filled that up, they had to also open the Trinity Episcopal Church on the corner of Wall Street and Broadway. February By February of 1859, every church and every public building in downtown New York City was filled at noon for prayer. 10,000 people a week were coming to faith in Jesus. In that two-year span of that, of that outpouring, one million people came to faith in Jesus. In two years. And it all started with prayer. The Welsh revival started in a prayer meeting with just a little handful of intercessors. Churches in Wales were overflowing two years later as 100,000 people came to faith in Jesus. People were set free from drunkenness at such an unbelievable dramatic rate that half the bars and taverns in Wales closed. They went bankrupt. They didn't have enough business because people weren't coming to drink anymore. Crime went down so much that a lot of the police officers in Wales were laid off. They had no work. And, and many of the ones that retained their job, listen to what they did. They sang in quartets that traveled from church to church. <laughs> the police! That's what they had to do. Portland, Oregon, 200 stores signed an agreement to stay closed until 2 p.m. on Sunday so people could go to prayer meeting. In Atlantic City, in New Jersey, the local ministers group claimed that there were only 50 unchurched people left in the greater population of 60,000 people. And all of those moves started in prayer. In 1906, in Los Angeles, California, the Pentecostal movement surged forward. There's no simple explanation for it. I'm just giving you one hot spot of where it became nationally known. It spread all over America, and then it spread all over the world. And, and by 1993, the Pentecostal church uh, had, had grown to the size that it was the largest Protestant movement on earth. From 1906, nothing, to 1993, the largest Protestant movement on earth. It's been called the most important religious movement of the 20th century. How did it start? Really, really strange story. A, a, uh, a black pastor named William Seymour, whose parents were former slaves. He's from Louisiana in 1906. His parents are former slaves. He moves to Los Angeles. He starts holding a prayer meetings at a friend's house. 
For two weeks, they prayed and they fasted. And the group got so big, Seymour would have to stand on the porch of his friend's house and he would, have to, he would have to lead prayer, and he would have to preach, and he'd have to speak from the front porch to hundreds of people that had gathered from the front porch all the way across the street. There's just, a, there's just a mob outside. Finally, they moved down the street to an abandoned church, uh, and that's uh, being generous. It used to be a church, then it was turned into a lumberyard and a, um, a, a barn, basically, where animals were kept. And so they, they started cleaning it out and started holding services there. The crowd was so full, they, they held three services a day, seven days a week, for three and a half years. Three services a day, seven days a week, for three and a half years. And one of the most striking elements to that entire, uh, all those meetings, was the racial makeup of the crowd. It started with William Seymour. It started with the son of former slaves. It started, it started to be... Uh, uh, an all-black prayer meeting with uh, very poor people, uneducated people, and then it began to expand and it began to grow. Can you imagine in 1906 an interracial outpouring of the Holy Spirit? This is what was happening. Rich people started coming, poor people started coming, white people were coming, black people were coming, everybody was coming. Underneath the leadership of William Seymour, a son of former slaves in 1906 in America. Frank Bartleman, a a white man who uh, went to Azusa Street, said the color line was washed away by the blood. And all that started in prayer. I don't know where else it can start. I don't know how else it can happen. Dr. Vincent Sinan, who's a, a guy who studied uh, Pentecostal activities most of his life, he said, I've studied this for most of my life, and there's nothing, humanly speaking, that we can come up with that explains everything about Azusa Street. There's nothing that we have. There's, he, he said there, there are books being written about this. There are, are people researching it. And no one has been able to attach a human explanation to everything that happened there. It was absolutely supernatural. It was absolutely God meeting people in a moment of need. When God brings renewal, here's my point today, He calls people to prayer. Those things happen together. When God brings renewal, He calls people to prayer. And either His people respond or they don't. I don't know if you know how this church started. Uh, This is the oldest denominational church in the city of Alabaster. And uh, maybe upwards toward 90 years now. At least least mid-80s, maybe 90 years ago. There was a girl who was sick. I don't know what she had. She, had, she was sick, she wasn't recovering, she wasn't getting better, medicine couldn't help her. So her friends and family gathered around to pray for her, and they would hold prayer meetings to pray for this girl. By the way, a pastor who had been out at Azusa Street ministering came through this area and met with that prayer group and helped pray for that girl and minister to that group, came straight from Azusa Street to here. And he, and he ministered in that group for a short time and then moved on. Over time, that girl recovered, she got better, she was healed, she fully recovered, but the prayer meeting kept going, and that prayer meeting turned into this church. That's your history. That's what you're standing in today. Prayer started this church. Prayer started the first church. So, what would renewal prayer look like? Look at Acts 3.19. 
I want to just give you a few thoughts this morning, then we're going to pray. Acts 3.19. What would renewal prayer look like for us today? Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If you have something to write with, I want to encourage you to take down these three thoughts. Here's the first one. Repentance. Now, if you're not familiar with the word repentance or what it means, one of the really important parts of the Christian life that it took me years to learn is that there are things that you and I need to turn away from. Now, now, what I don't mean by that is the standard little, you know, uh, don't have these vices, uh, don't do these bad things, don't watch bad things on TV. Yes, 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 yes. All that's true. All that's true. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about much deeper things. There are some things inside you and I that we need to turn away from. And I don't mean just those simple vice issues. I mean most often it has to do with thinking and thought patterns and wrong thoughts and wrong ways of thinking and and things that we've adopted inside our our mind as truth because of what our childhood or our young or our experiences have taught us. We've accepted them. They're assumptions we operate on, but they are wrong. They're given to us by culture. They're given to us by experience. They're given to us by whatever. But, but they build up inside of us, and most often there are thought patterns or fear or guilt or rejection or these things that come into our soul and shape us. Our minds are so passive, there's just giant gateways that are constantly taking in information, and we are in an information floodgate. You and I are being overwhelmed with information every day. You, you heard our missionaries talk about this morning. In some ways, it's a blessing that their kids don't have access to the things that our kids do. And, and one of the things I might want to encourage you to do in your fast, I've done this several times in my fast. I've shut everything off. Shut all media, shut all TV, shut all Internet, shut all Facebook, shut off everything. You'd be surprised what three weeks disconnected would do for you. You'd be shocked. You have no idea how passive our minds are and how much stuff just floods in and attaches to your brain and shapes your attitude and shapes your thought patterns and shapes your belief system. Most people under 40 get their theology from movies. Not, not from the Bible or the church or their family. It's from media and entertainment. You, it's, so imagine how, how, how wrong. <laughs> imagine how uh, inaccurate... Imagine how misleading our theology might be then since that's the case. We have to reject ungodly thinking. We have to turn away from every great work of God in an individual or a group or, or a region has an element of repentance to it. Just living on this earth dulls us spiritually like a pencil. It just dulls us down, uh, whittles us down. We lose our edge, we lose our sharpness, we lose our discernment. Just living on earth does that to us. Junk attaches itself to us. Ways of thinking and attitudes and habits. We just naturally become apathetic and passive and sinful over time living on this earth. That's what happens to us when we live here, the longer we live here. There have to be times when we call those things into a question, we call those assumptions into question, we call those beliefs into question, and we say, I'm turning away from this. I reject it. 
And I turn away from it. I won't accept it. I won't believe it. I, I won't have any part of it. I, it took me a long time to understand in my own Christian life how powerful it was and how much power you have as a believer to reject ungodly thinking. You can reject it. You don't have to have it. You don't have to. All the old dull belief, I've always been this way. It's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. That's ungodly thinking. I've always been addicted to this and I'm always going to be addicted to it. Ungodly thinking. I've always had a low self-esteem and I'm always going to have a low self-esteem. I've always been the kind of person that this happened to. I'm always going to. All that is ungodly thinking. And you have the authority in Jesus to reject it. And that's part of what repentance is. It's turning away from the junk. It's turning away from the lies. It's turning away from the wrong thinking. So then you see in Acts 3.19, he says, Repent then and turn to God. So the second thing is returning. That's what our, we're going to spend all our time on the next month in January through our fast and prayer. We're going to be talking about returning. Returning. Turn to God, the Bible says. Return to God, I'm going to call it. Turn fresh to God. Uh, I guarantee you the person sitting in the room this morning that's the farthest from renewal is the one who thinks they've already experienced everything there is to know about God. I mean, I was born in church. I was raised in church. My grandpa was a preacher. My uncle was this. I've been around it. I know this. I've read the Bible. I I go to church every Sunday. Yawn, yawn, yawn. I've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt and the hat. You're the furthest from renewal and you're the hardest to renew. Because you think you finished God. You think you've done all there is to do with God. Because you think you know how the church works and you know how Christianity works and you know how it all works. You're bottom line, big picture, you got it, you got it all. You're the, you're the toughest person for renewal to ever happen to. What you've got to do is reject those thoughts and turn to God in a fresh way. There's so much more to God than any one of us have ever experienced in our life. There's so much more to God than any of us have ever known. And it's His good joy to give it to us. But we have to come get it. God has more for you. Turn fresh to Him in this new year. This is what we're going to talk about the rest of January starting next week. Renew. So here's the, here's the uh, last thing you see. Repentance, returning to God, and, and the last one simple, refreshing. God, when, when God calls and we turn away from stuff and turn toward Him, it's very, very simple. He starts to pour out a refreshing and a renewing. And people start finding forgiveness that you never thought would. And people start finding healing. And people start being restored. And things begin to happen that only God can do. And that's how you know renewal's happening. When things happen, you go, okay, now look. In our, in our best planning, we never planned that. <laughs> like in our best effort, we never made that happen. In our best attempt, like... We didn't see that coming. There's two little words that I would love to sink deep in your spirit this year. Only God. Only God. Only God could have saved that person. Only God could have given you wisdom in this moment. Only God could have done this or that or the other. 
Think of the wonder, only God. So, how do you get involved? Well, we've got these devotionals. We'll talk more about them next week. When you leave this morning, they're on the table. You can pick one up on your way out. They're free. Just grab one. On kingwoodchurch.com, you go to the Renew button, and we have an online version of everything that's in here. And you can follow along with us. And so I want to invite you, one week from tomorrow, we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage you to, to join us for that. What could happen if we prayed? Could, could Shelby County turn, turn toward God? Well, the Bible tells us that it could, and history tells us that it could. What could happen? Could your family find forgiveness? Could, could people you know find a relationship with Jesus? What would soak be like in a couple weeks if we prayed? I mean, really prayed. What about, what about uh, we always have a freedom and healing night, prayer time. What would that be like if we really prayed? I don't know. Only God knows. But I know when God does renewal, He calls His people to great prayer. They always go together. Always have. And so, you can get involved. Join us for this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Just, just join us. However you do it, do it. And join us. We've got several events. A week from tomorrow, we have a 6 a.m. prayer kickoff. 6 to 7 a.m. Man, if you can make it, make it. Some of your schedules with work and getting kids to school and all that won't allow it. I understand. But if you can make it, make it. Uh, a couple weeks after that, we have Soak on a Sunday night, 5.30. A week after that, I think that's the third Sunday, maybe the fourth Sunday, the schedule's in here. We have uh, what we call Freedom and Healing Night. And we just come to the whole night's nothing, but we come together and pray that God will free us from everything we need to be free of, and He will heal us from everything we need to be healed of inside and out. It's just a powerful night. And I just want to ask you, join us for those. Join us on Sunday. Intensify your prayer time with fasting. I th we've called this sometimes 21 days of fasting and prayer. I just want to flip that. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because I think sometimes you can get so caught up in something mysterious like fasting... That, that a lot of us don't have a ton of experience with and don't know how to do it. And we get so caught up in the mechanics of it, we miss the point. Let me give you a simple definition that this is how I think about fasting. I'd say this is the final word. This is how I think about it. Uh, fasting is making space for prayer. If your fasting doesn't free up more time for you to pray, you're fasting wrong. That's just the bottom line. You can do all the special recipes and cook nothing but live food and all of that you want to do. But if you're spending more time cooking and eating, even though you're eating different stuff, and less time or the same amount of time praying, I'm saying I think we're missing something. Like what, what prayer and fasting is about, is fasting is about making space in your life for more prayer. It's not a diet. 
It's not, it's not any of those things. It's not to get a healthy routine. It's a how do, I, how do I make space to be with God more. That's what it is. So this is a great time, I think, for those of you parents, to talk to your kids about prayer and fasting. I think it's a great season. We do it in our family every year. It's an awesome time. You see your kids say, why are we changing our diet? Why are we changing our schedule? Why are we, pre- why are we doing this stuff? It's a great time to answer those questions. Say, this is why we fast. This is why we pray. This is what we believe. It's a great time to do that with your kids. So, I, as, we, as we wrap up this morning, I, I knew I wouldn't be able to say everything that I wanted to today, but I just wanted to get the conversation started. So next Sunday, we'll start talking about what is renewal? What does it mean when God does renewal? What does it look like? How do we, how do we get involved? How do we participate? And we've kind of given you the, the sketch of that through our outline, through our devotional this morning. But, but every week we're going to be unpacking what is renewal? What does it look like? And what does it look like for us? We've been on this journey for probably six months now. And as we turn the corner in this year, we're just going to, we're going to continue. So would you just stand with me this morning? I, I just want to ask you, I, I want to ask you just to pray. Right where you are, I'm not going to ask you to move. But this morning, I, I just want to, how else can we end today other than prayer? I just want to ask you where you are to give me, you know, let's do two or three, four minutes of just prayer. Of just prayer. And I just want you to start to express what's in your heart toward God for this year. Maybe this is the first thought you've had. Maybe just inside this service this morning, God has begun to stir something and you say, this is what I want more of. This is what I'm... This is, this is what seems to have started in me today. Maybe you've been on this for a while. Maybe this is just confirming something for you. But I just want you to, I just want us to pray. Wherever you are, however you pray, everybody, if you just close your eyes and maybe, maybe just open your hands. And let's just begin to pray together with your voice, with your, with your own words. Lord, we ask you this morning that you would guide us in this next year. God, we turn to you right now. We turn to you. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want you to, I want you to begin to ask the Lord right now for renewal. Just ask Him. God, would you renew me? Lord, would you renew me? Would you refresh my mind? Lord, would you renew me today? Would you start renewal inside me this morning? Would you let there be a, a new sense of your presence? A new wonder about the power of the Holy Spirit, a new wonder about the Word of God, a new wonder about the light and the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you let me fall in love with you all over again this year? God, would you just do renewal inside of me? Just ask Him. Ask Him. God, do renewal in me. Do renewal inside me. Do renewal inside my marriage. Do renewal in my home. Lord, let there be a fresh, let there be a fresh expression of faith in my children. Let there be a, let there be a fresh expression of faith in my family. God, I pray that you would do renewal in me today. God, I pray that you would would start something inside me. God, I pray you would give me a hunger now for prayer, a hunger for your face, a hunger to be with you. God, start inside of me today. And Lord, we turn away from everything, every ungodly voice. We turn away from every ungodly thought. 
we reject the lies the enemy tries to tell us we reject the lies that the world has taught us we reject the things that aren't true we turn our back on those things that that are designed to plant fear and guilt and legalism and, and, and harm and violence and greed inside our soul we turn away from them we reject them and Lord we welcome the truth and the light of Jesus God we pray this morning that you would do renewal inside our heart and life God do renewal give me a hunger would you pray now for our church God would you renew Kingwood Church would you let there be a, a, a fresh expression of your presence that would flow through this place? God, would you just let your presence flow, Lord, through the leadership of this church, through, the, through those that are teaching children's classes this morning, and life group leaders, and prayer team members, and ushers, and greeters, and those that are serving, and those that are reaching out. God, would you just let through the worship team, would you just let a fresh sense of your presence, God, God, would you just renew this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit God let a renewal sweep now would you pray for this city God, for this county God I pray for Shelby County that there would be a renewal a spiritual renewal it's not marketing it's not a program it's not a business it is a move of the Spirit of God that you would begin to move not just in this church, but in the churches in this county. Not just in the churches in this county, but in the street. God, that you would, you would let renewal flood through this city. You'd let renewal flood through this county. God, renew. Renew and let us find you fresh. Let us find you new in this time. God, just sweep in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Well, isn't it amazing? Don't you feel different after you pray? Isn't it amazing the change that comes in your soul when you pray? Well, would you join us for prayer in this hour? Would you join us for prayer in this season? It's going to be a great time. Lord, we love you today, and we thank you for the presence of God we feel today. We thank you for your, your touch on your people today. Now, God, I pray you would guide us into great hunger for your face. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for coming today.